Did anybody come excited about Jesus this morning? Let's go. Hey, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so grateful and so thankful for the opportunity to share in God's Word with you this morning. If you're a first-time guest, man, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so grateful and thankful that you decided to come and spend some time with us in worship. Well, here it is, y'all. We're getting ready to land the plane on a series we've been in now for three weeks entitled uh, Discover Your Purpose. Pastor uh, Lynn has done a remarkable job, and I get the privilege uh, to get ready to close this sermon series out. And here's uh, what I want to do. I want to read from you a passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, Verse number one, I'm going to read that passage. I'm going to share with you the big idea and then give you just a little snippet of kind of the direction we're going in, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this message. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Here's today's big idea. It's in the form of a question, and it is simply this. Are you running in your lane Or are you running in God's lane? Are you running in your lane? Or are you running in God's lane? Here's the reality. I think every single one of us in this room, we all have dreams. We all have plans. We all have ambitions. We all have things that we want to accomplish. But the question becomes, what if God's plans, what if God's dreams and God's ambitions for your life are different than your own? Will you allow God to trump your plan, trump your purpose, trump the thing that you want to do so that you can fall in line and run this race in this lane with him to be all it is that God has called you to be? Before I say anything else, I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit and ask him to just lead me and guide me with what it is I believe he wants to share. So would you do me a favor? Join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being a comforter and a guide. Thank you for being the source of all of my strength. And this is my prayer this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, and get us to this place where we would come out of our own lane and start running this race with you as we radically pursue the purpose that you have for us. We thank you. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. Hey, real quickly, I want to share with you a story about a gentleman and his family that actually attend this church. Uh, His name is Derek. I bought a picture of Derek and his wife, Danielle, and their kids. Y'all, they are just such a photogenic family. So beautiful. Um, But here's what you need to know about Derek and Danielle. Uh, Derek and Danielle, number one, they love God with all their heart, minds, and souls, and they absolutely love of people. They're the type of couple that if you don't have a shirt, they are more than willing to give you the shirt off of their back. The other thing that you need to know about Derek and Danielle is that they are both 
athletes. Uh, so Danielle played basketball for Arizona State University, Forkham. Uh, I cannot say go devils in church. It's just a sin, so I won't do that. Um, and Derek uh, played professional football. He had a couple of years in the NFL and then also played in some developmental leagues. Uh, some remarkable people. But here's the other thing that you need to know about Derek and Danielle. They've got a call to ministry on their lives. And they have pursued running with God in this lane over here. And I've had to make some really hard decisions to forsake running in their own lane. As a matter of fact, uh, when they came towards the end of their athletic careers, uh, they prayed and asked God, hey, what's next for us? Uh, and the Holy Spirit made it abundantly clear that they were supposed to move to California, a whole different state from where they were, and then go and serve on staff at the church that Derek's father-in-law planted. Now, here's what you need to know about this church. Two things. Number one, the primary ministry that this church does is it helps men and women who struggle with substance abuse and drug addiction. They're doing really hard but amazing ministry. But here's the second thing that you need to know about this church. This church could not afford to pay Derek and Danielle what they should have been paid for the work they were doing. So as this young couple, Derek and Dale, they move them and their family to California, work at this church on staff full time, and their monthly income is 400 bucks a month. They're subsidizing everything else from food and rent with assistance from the government. But they are so on fire for Jesus, so intent on running in this lane, they actually come up with this really cool idea and say, even though we're not making the most money in the world, what if we started a not-for-profit that would generate income for the church, and both of them being athletes started a non-for-profit gym, and this gym served as a way to help people both spiritually and physically, getting them stronger spiritually because Derek is the men's pastor and he's pouring into these men, uh, but also physically because it's a way to connect with these people in the gym, ends up generating $400,000 a year for the church. So it's serving two purposes, amazing things. But here's what you need to know about Derek. This entire time while Derek is working in ministry, he's that athlete that just can't quite let it go. So Derek is training and he's putting in the work just in case he gets a phone call from a pro sports team. Lo and behold, the Arizona Rattlers give him a call. He picks up the phone. They say, hey, Derek, we want you to come and we want you to be our quarterback. Derek is all excited, but here's what Derek does next, which I wish all of us would take a page out of Derek's life. Instead of Derek being on the phone and saying, all right, send me the paperwork like right now, we can pin this deal. Derek hangs up the phone and says, let me go pray about it. Because here's the truth of the matter. Every opportunity that comes your way, while it may be a good opportunity, it's not necessarily a purpose opportunity. So here's what happened. Derek hangs up the phone. He prays about it. And as he's praying about this, there's this reverberating question that's going through his mind as he is meditating on what he should do next. And the reverberating question is simply this. What about Nick? You see, Nick was a gentleman who had recently joined their church who had a bad substance abuse problem. And Derek started discipling him, 
And at this point, Nick was only six weeks clean. Derek does what every good husband does, and he goes and have a conversation with his wife. Danielle looks at Derek and says, hey, honey, if you want to go play for the Rattlers and you want to fulfill your dream, I support you 100%. But she ends up asking the exact same question that's been reverberating in the back of his mind. And she says, what about Nick? What's going to happen if we move and leave Nick here? Derek looks back at Danielle and says, if we leave, chances are Nick's going to relapse and he will not survive through Christmas. So Derek, knowing he has this dream, knowing he has this thing that he has been training for, decides to still stay in the lane with God. So the question becomes, whatever did happen to Nick? Today, Nick has been clean for 10 years. Watch this. Not only has Nick been clean for 10 years, but the same thing that Derek did for Nick, Nick started doing for other men. He started discipling other men and pour into other men. Nick went on to go and get married and start a family. And today, Nick has started his own construction business. And here's what I believe is so awesome about Nick. And Nick, if you're watching this, man, you the man, doc. Here's the thing that is so awesome about Nick. Even though Nick's job is to build buildings, Nick realized that his purpose was to build lives. So now Nick is taking his time and he is pouring into the lives of men and women through the actual occupation of what he has. Now here's the question that you and I need to answer as we get ready to jump back in the text. What was the thing that helped Derek and Danielle Make the decision from being in your lane, their lane, to being in God's lane. You see, they realize, as long as I stay in God's lane, I will run into my purpose. And when I run into my purpose, it gives me the opportunity to make a huge kingdom impact. Now, here's what you need to know. Thank you so much, sister. You made me feel like I'm in a Baptist church. Now... Here's what you and I need to know, though. In order for you and I to make the transition from this lane to this lane, we have got to be willing to walk in obedience to the will of God over our lives. But here's the thing about walking in obedience to the will of God over your life. You've got to walk in obedience to the will of God over your life by faith. I want to look at a passage of scripture found in Hebrews chapter 11. We're just going to go one chapter back. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Here's what it says. It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So what does it look like for you and I? to operate in faith in our lives. It looks like you and I saying, God, I'm going to walk in obedience to your will over my life, believing that everything will work out. That's all it is. It's you and me making a decision to say, if I'm going to walk by faith, it looks like this. God, I'm going to walk in obedience to the will of God 
over my life, and I am going to believe that it is all going to work out. Now, for those of you who have been on this Christian journey for a while, you can testify that sometimes faith can be a scary thing. And the reason why walking by faith can be a scary thing is because oftentimes there is no tangible evidence to prove that everything's going to work out. There was no tangible evidence for Derek to turn down his dream as a football player to disciple Nick that it would actually work out. But here's the thing. For us who walk in faith, our hope is not built on tangible evidence. Our hope is built that we're running in this lane with the God who has never failed. So as I started processing this thing about why is it so difficult for people to get out of this lane and get over to this lane, I started looking back again at Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. And again, let me read it. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, here's what he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What would be the weights that would keep me and keep you from slowing us down to get out of this lane and to get in this lane? And if I'm honest with myself, let me speak for me. I think the thing that would keep me in fear from moving from one lane to the next would be the fear of what I would lose in this lane. I want to read a passage of scripture found in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. Here's the reality. If you're a brand new believer, I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. Here's the good news. The good news is, is you making the decision to follow Jesus is the best decision you have ever made in your life. Here's the bad news. It's going to cost you something. That's right. That's right. Following Jesus isn't cheap. But here's what else I can tell you. It is a thousand percent worth the cost. Look at what Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. For those of you who may be new to the faith, Paul is a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable pastor, apostle, church planter, super gifted. He was a horrible person before he had a conversation and ran into Jesus. But one day on the road of Damascus, he runs into Jesus. He's completely and totally transformed, and he devotes the rest of his life to running in this lane. And look at what he says in Acts 20, verses 22 through 24. Y'all, this blew my mind when I was at home and I was reading it. He says this in verse 22. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Let me just hit pause real quick. Paul says, listen, man, I know what lies ahead of me is not going to be a trip on the beach and a margarita. What lies ahead of me is going to be jail and suffering. Now, let me be honest with you. If I'm Paul and the Holy Spirit tells me that, me and the Holy Spirit are going to have to have a counseling session. Because if it's going to cost me all of this to be in this lane, I'm not quite sure if I want to do that. But then look at what Paul says in verse 24. He shows you and I how it all becomes worth it. He says this in verse number 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me 
unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Here it is, y'all. Paul knows that the only thing that lies ahead of me is jail after jail and city after city. And this is a hard thing. Is the cost worth it? Well, here's what I can tell me and you. The truth of the matter is, is that even though Paul had to go from jail after jail and city after city, you know what it produced? It produced that famous passage in Romans 8, 28, where it says, all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. Even though he had to go to jail after jail and city after city, city after city or suffering after suffering, it produced that other passage in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, which says, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Even though he had to go to jail after jail and suffering after suffering, it produced Philippians 4, 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even though he had to go to jail after jail and suffering after suffering, it produced two-thirds of of this book that we hold. But the truth of the matter is, some of us like to only give credit to Paul for the two-thirds that he wrote, but did you not realize that he also discipled Timothy who produced two letters? Did you not realize that he also walked with John Mark? Did you not realize that he also poured into James? Even though Paul had to suffer and go to jail after jail, the benefit of all of that, of what it cost him, has lasted for more than 2,000 years because everyone in this room has been affected by the kingdom impact that Paul had has made. If you are on the fence, I can tell you right now, the cost of leaving this lane to this lane is a thousand percent worth it. And here's a question that I want to ask you. Whose life is not being impacted because you're still standing over here? Whose life has not been changed and transformed because it's still all about you? Whose life is missing out on the blessings that God has for them because you refuse by faith to get out of this lane and get over in this lane? A couple weeks ago, we had the World Track and Field Championships. And anytime though, anything going on with track and field takes place in my house, my wife makes sure that we watch it. My wife coaches track and field for ASU, so it's kind of her thing. Um, it's my thing, too. <laughs> so we were sitting there, and we were watching World Track and Field Championships, y'all, and watching the World Track and Field Championships is kind of like watching version two of the Olympics because it's the Olympics just for track and field. And the best event that took place this year uh, was the 400-meter women's hurdle race. It was a race where everybody was focused on two individuals who battled it out in 2020 for the Olympics in Tokyo, and it was between Sydney McLaughlin uh, and Dalila Muhammad. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play for you the race, and I'm going to let you vote on whether or not do you want me to tell you who won the race, or do you want to watch the race live? All right. You're glad you said something, because I spoiled something in a minute. Um, I want you to, let me look at this passage one more time in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, and once we get to it, you'll see what I mean. Paul again says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it. 
Use it. Use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You're going to see two athletes who are phenomenally gifted. One of them comes out, they win. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. At the end of this race, I want you to pay attention to the demeanor of the winner and what the winner says at the end. Check out this video. It's the Olympic final all over again in the women's 4 by 400 meter hurdles. And the race for gold is in the middle of your track. Keep your eyes on 4, 5, and 6. Look at Sydney McLaughlin. Dalila Muhammad always gets out hard, but it's Sydney who is really pushing the pace on the backstretch. What Sydney McLaughlin has done to the backstretch should be illegal. She is all by herself and less than 200 meters to go now, Lee. Remember this. Remember what Addo told wow. you about the world record, how it just continually keeps getting broken. Sydney McLaughlin has left them behind. Femke Ball comes on the inside of Dalila Muhammad now. Please watch the clock. The world record is 51-41. Sydney McLaughlin, the 22-year-old American, there is no stopping her. 50.6, it's a world record. Sydney McLaughlin has just smashed her own record. So not only did she become the first to go under 52, she has now taken this event under 51 seconds flat. Sonia, what are we witnessing here? Absolute greatness. Sydney wins the race. First words that come out of her mouth. Thank you, God. And here's what I found interesting, though, about Sydney's demeanor. I've watched a lot of races in the two and a half years I've been married. <laughs> and typically, anytime somebody breaks a world record, they've got enough adrenaline going through their body to where they are running around the track and they are jumping up and down and they are rejoicing for joy. So as my wife was sitting there and we were watching that race, I looked at my wife and said, for her to just like broke the world record for the second time, she doesn't seem to be like super excited about it. And my wife says, well, honey, the thing that you have to realize is if you like go to Sydney's Instagram and look at the things that she posts and looks at the thing that she says, I think the reason why her demeanor isn't the way that it is is because she is rooted and grounded in her faith. And she recognizes that it's really not about her. Because most athletes go on and say, I've trained so hard and I've done this and I've won and it's, and it's more so a focus on them. But Sydney has this thing where the focus isn't on her, but the focus is on him. And I want to read to you what Sydney posted after she won the Tokyo Olympics and broke the world record for the first time. Remember, we read that passage in Acts where Paul says, I use my life to do the work that God has assigned to me, which is tell everybody about the good news of him. Here's what Sydney writes. She says, let me start off by saying what an honor it is to be able to represent not only my country, but also the kingdom of God. What I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem possible. He will make a way out of no way. 
not for my own gratification, but for his glory. I have never seen God fail in my life, in anyone's life for that matter. Just because I may not win every race or receive every one of my heart's desires does not mean God has failed. His will is perfect, and he has prepared for me a moment such as this, that I may use the gifts he has given me to point all the attention back to him. The truth of the matter is, is if you really want to discover your purpose, you've got to get in this lane. And when you get in this lane, Make sure that the gifts that God has given you, because every single person in this room, if you are a part of the body of Christ, God has gifted you. And the question becomes, how are you using your gifts to make a kingdom impact? There are some of you here today who are saying, well, that's super cool, Pastor Brent, but listen, I don't have a gift of communication like Pastor Lynn or Pastor Landon. I don't have a, an athletic gift like a Sydney or like a Derek, but here's what you do have. You do have influence. The question becomes, how are you stewarding the influence in your life to make the kingdom impact? You see, there are some of you here today, right now, uh, you work at Intel. And here's the thing that you need to know. At Intel, your job may be to build chips. Your job may be to write code and software. But your purpose is to encourage your coworker in the next cubicle over and point them to the hope that's found in Jesus. You may be a barista or a baristo, if that's a word, and work at a coffee shop. And listen, for all my baristas and baristos, man, I absolutely love you, especially the ones who work here at Cornerstone. They look, at me, look out for me all the time. I get my white chocolate mocha with four shots of espresso because I got two wild kids. <laughs> but if you're the barista or the baristo, your job may be to make the best cup of joe possible, but your purpose is to be salt and light in a dark world. You may be a doctor or a nurse and you work right next door, and your job is to assess the health of all the patients that come into the hospital and prescribe them what they need. But your purpose is to be a watchman on the wall, a prayer warrior, that when you leave that hospital room, that you say, hey, God, if this medicine can't fix it, I know that you're a healer. Would you do what medicine cannot do? I cannot tell you the intricate details of the purpose that God has for you, but here's what I can tell you, that he created you in his image and in his likeness, that he filled you with the Holy Spirit and has equipped you with gifts, gift that is designed to give you influence. And he expects me and you to get out of this lane, get over in this lane and start using that influence so that we can make a kingdom impact. And the influence that you and I should make should always point people back to Jesus. Paul does something amazing in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I hope I get to do it one day. Uh, Paul gets the opportunity to write his own obituary. I know that sounds kind of morbid, but it's actually really cool if you think about it. And as he's writing his own obituary in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, here's what he says. He says, I have poured out my life as an offering to God. 
goes on to say, I have kept the faith. I have run the race. And I have remained faithful. And now stored up for me is a crown of righteousness that the righteous judge, the Lord God, will give unto me. Here's the question that I have for me and for you. In this current season of your life, can you honestly sit down and say that you have offered your life as a sacrifice to God? That you have kept the faith? That you have run the race? And that you have remained faithful and obedient to what it is that God has called you to do. For those of you who are standing over here, I can tell you right now, while this lane may not be easy, it's the most rewarding. I'm going to do something that I've never done before. Here's what I'm going to do. I recognize that getting from this lane to this lane by faith, it could be scary. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you're in good company of people who have made that transition. Remember as I was reading Romans chapter 12, verse number one, it said, therefore, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read most of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is what we consider to be the hall of faith. It's men and women just like you and just like me who had to make the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to be in this lane, and I'm going to run this race with God. Now, if you're a mature believer in the room, I'm going to need you to help me out just a little bit. I'm going to need you to pretend like you're a member of my grandma's church where they speak in tongues, and they shout, and they know how to say hallelujah and amen. Every time I say, by faith, if it's just something that the Holy Spirit does on the inside of you, I want you to respond to it. And here's why I want you to respond. I want you to respond because there are some baby Christians in the room, some people who are still on the fence of getting from this lane to this lane, and I want them to know how amazing our God is and how he keeps us when we make the decision to move by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, let's go. It says, faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Y'all, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before by his faith Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith it was 
by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going and he, even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents and so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, there is no way to count them. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run, let us run, let us run, let us run with endurance the race our God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith by faith get out of this lane get into this lane and let god use you to make a major kingdom impact holy spirit i thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word Matter of fact, I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I feel the Holy Spirit. I pray it don't go too much over time. If you're here today and you actually want to make the transition of being out of this lane and getting into this lane, I want to invite you to come down to the altar right now. Come down to the altar right now. If you want to make the commitment to get out of this lane and get into this lane, I want you to come down to the altar right now. Come to the altar right now because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. God's got something special for your life. And today we're just going to have a moment to where you get the chance to talk to God. Where you get to tell God that you want to get out of your lane and get in his lane so that he can use you to make a huge kingdom impact. Hallelujah. 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 God, we thank you for being king of kings. God, we thank you for being Lord of lords. And God, my prayer this morning is that you will begin to move in our hearts in such a way that when we get out of the way, we get out of your lane and we get in your lane, God, so we can start living our lives on purpose. And Father, this is my prayer, even though we don't know what lies ahead, my prayer is this, is that no weapon 
formed against your people would be able to prosper. My prayer is, God, is that we decide to say yes to you, yes to your will and yes to your, your way, that, God, you will begin to blow our minds. Father, I'm praying for every single person that came out here. God, would you remind them that you are a God that never, ever fails. So God, we thank you. God, we bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. Here's what's going to happen. If you stay out there and you still need prayer, we've got an entire prayer team that is willing and ready to pray for you. If you want to go to this next level of pursuing your purpose, I want you to text the word purpose to 21999. But as you leave this place, don't you ever forget that you serve a God that will never, ever fail. Now go and make a major kingdom impact. Have a great day.